Thank you all so much for coming. This is the third of our shiurim on Rav Tzadok HaKoyen of Lublin. And uh, tonight I want to talk about, um, I would say the most important and the most well-known of Rav Tzadok's farim, uh, so called Sefer Tzidka Satzadik. And I think the story of Sefer Tzidka Satzadik is in essence uh, the story of Rav Tzadok himself uh, distilled to its, uh, to its very essence. The Sefer Tzidka Satzadik was transcribed from manuscript by Rabbi Baruch David HaKohen, who is the stepson-in-law of Rav Tzadok, and it was published in Lublin, 1902. So it was published uh, roughly two years after Rav Tzadok passed away in the year 1900. And Rav Tzadok opens the Sefer with the following words, his manuscript, as it were. Bisyata deshmai, with God's help, kuntrasekarativ tzidka satzadik. I've called this pamphlet, I've called this tzidka satzadik. And the reason it's called tzidka satzadik, he writes, Bishnat ki tzadik Hashem tztakos ahav. That, uh, that comes from Tilim, Perak Yud Aleph, Pasuk Zayin. And the gematri of tztakos ahav is the equivalent of year Shnas Tav Reishchet, 1847-1848 which means that it was one of the very first writings of Rav Tzadok after he had drawn near to Hasidus. And it was likely written a year after he had met the Ishbitzer Rebbe. And like Rav Tzadok's own personal transformation from a classic Lamdan in the Lithuanian Misnagdik model to a Chassid Lamdan, as we mentioned in last week's Shiurim. So the Sefer itself and the structure of the Sefer itself represents a kind of transformation as well something that we'll get to shortly and, and talk about the inner structure, the mivneh of the Sefer itself and how I think that uh, in, almost a, um, in almost a meta-narrative kind of way, how the Sefer itself, especially written uh, very early in Tzadok's Tzadok's foray into Hasidus, reflects uh, this kind of a change. So there's several editions of the Sefer and uh, it's perhaps the most well-known of Rav Tzadok's many, many chiburim, as we talked about, almost a hundred chiburim that appear in the National Library of Israel's catalogs. And as we mentioned in previous shirim, there are many different recensions of the Sefer across these printings, which is owing primarily to the fact that several piskot, several sections in the Sefer were censored across the years. Uh, beginning with the very first edition that was published by Rav Tzadok's stepson-in-law, where uh, a few of the piskot, a few of the sections were already omitted. And we'll get into the reasons why in a few moments. And the two primary editions that I used in preparation for this year are the Machon Har Bracha edition. And they've produced really well done examples of pretty much all of Rav Tzadok's uvra. And I'm also using the Ne'imos Hatzedek, uh, this version over here, which is a two-volume printing by one Rabbi Aharon Moseson, who is a, uh, an Amshin of Chassid and a profound scholar. He's still with us. Uh, he not only produced a high-quality perush, a high-quality explanation, running commentary on it uh, to this often misunderstood and somewhat inaccessible sefer, but he also endeavored to present all of the Piskot in full as well, even the more challenging and previously censored versions and sections of the Sefer. Now let me show you, for example, something that I did um, when I wrote a small essay on Sefer Tzidka Satzadik. So over here, and I could share the essay that I wrote for the Sfarim blog a few years ago. I showed here uh, which Piskot are usually the ones that are censored out. 
Mandalit, Samachtet, and so on, and across the editions. This is the very first printing, Lublin, Tafreshai, and Gimel. And then you have Yerushalayim, Tafshin, Nunchas. That's this version over here of Tzidka Satzadik. Then there's the Harbracha edition and the Neimos Netzach. There are other editions as well. Uh, one edition that I want to share that I'm going to talk about later, uh, one of my prized possessions from Paul Slater gave me this as a present. This is Tzidka Satzadik Hamale, the full Tzidka Satzadik, which I'm going to talk about in a moment. So you could see many of them have these sections completely omitted. If you look in the editions of them, they're simply not there. And the ones that do have it say, Hosafa Miktav Yad Kadsho, added from the author's handwriting. This is what the Sharblat of Sefer Tzidka Satzadik, the very first edition, looks like. And as you could see on the top over here, this is the personal copy of Rav Michal Mekotovsky, who is the father, Hashem Yukom Damo, uh, who is the father of Rav Avram Eliyahu Mekotovsky, also known as Rav Eliyahu Kitov who is the author of Sefer HaTota'ah, the Book of Our Heritage. His father was a close chassid of Rav Tzadok's in Lublin before the war and was killed by the Nazis, died al-Kiddush Hashem. So this is the very first edition, the very first printing. Let's go back for a second to the notion over here that this Sefer needs a degree of explanation. As with many of Rav Tzadok's farm, Rav Tzadok is drawing from across the gamut of Kisvei Chazal, and Tanakh, often sources that are not really cited anywhere else, very obscure, difficult to understand sources, which Rav Tzadok had all at his fingertips. And Rav Tzadok is weaving them all together in a narrative to bring forth certain ideas. And in doing so, he doesn't quote the full Amar, he doesn't quote the full Pasuk, and it's up to us sometimes to understand where exactly this Pasuk or Mamar Chazal is playing into the Torah that Rav Tzadok is trying to teach, which is why a parish, a commentary, is so important. The Har Bracha edition, for example, uh, brings you the entire section of the Gemara or the Medrash that Rav Tzadok is quoting. I think that this is perhaps the chief difficulty in accessing Rav Tzadok's works outside of the ideas themselves, in that uh, you really have to have your hand in all, in Kola Torah Kula, in order to fully understand what he's getting to. But that's Rabbi Moses and does in his edition. Rabbi Moses writes something striking in his Akdama, in his essay introducing his edition, which is worth explaining at the outset. In the 14th century, Rav Yaakov ben Ravasher, Rav Yaakov, the son of the Rosh, published one of the first systematic codes of halacha, which we call the Arba, which he called the Arba Turim. In it, we find the division of halachic code into four sections that became the basis for what we know as the Shulchan Aruch later on. So you have Orachayim, you have Yeradei, you have Evan Ezer, and you have Choshim Mishpat. Perhaps the most important commentary on the tour was penned by Rav Yosef Karo in Tzfat, 1563. His commentary, which sought to outline all of the sources in the Rishonim that the tour's code was based on. The tour just offers like a small paragraph on each page, the way that it's printed now. And the Beis Yosef can go for pages, explaining in depth the basis for the halachic rulings and outlining all of the Gemaras and the Rishonim that the tour's code was based on. He called it the Beis Yosef, which became eponymous. Did I pronounce that right? I think so, eponymous. That became his name, the Mechaber, or the Beis Yosef, Marana Beit Yosef which later itself became the basis, that work became the basis of the masterwork that we know as the Shulchan Aruch. Expanding and elaborating on the tour's code, the Mechaber showed not just the halachic decisions, but the interplay between the Rishonim and how those decisions were reached. So why am I telling you this? 
we can understand now the statement of Rabbi Moses in, in his Akdama, which is worth quoting in full. Very, very beautiful. Rabbi Moses writes, It is a pearl in the mouth of those who study the works of Rav Tzadok. Mehadora Kodem, from the previous generations, Lomar Kisifrei Rabbeinu Zchusei Agen Aleinu. The books of Rabbeinu, of Rav Tzadok, may his merit protect us, Heina Me'en Beis Yosef Letoris Achasidus. They form a kind of Beis Yosef, similar to the work of Yosef Karo on the tour. They form a kind of Beis Yosef for the ideas of Chasidus, the ideas of the Baal Shem Tov. Rabbi Moses continues and says, Vachin, Yosef The same way that the Beis Yosef, when analyzing the Torah, shows us the basis for the Torah's rulings in all of the Kisvei Chazal, the writings, rabbinic writings and literature, and in the Rishonim as well. And he shows us where everything came from, how we arrived at a particular decision. So the same way, so too is the way of Rav Tzadok, Rabbeinu, as he refers to him throughout his chibur, throughout his commentary, to bring from every single one of the Baal Shem Tov and his students, every single idea, every single big thing that comes to them, as Mekoru B'divrei Chazal, B'Shas, Bavli, Yerushami, Medrashim. So Rav Tzadok, in his writings, in many of his writings, forms a kind of Beis Yosef, a kind of commentary, showing us the deeper meaning and understanding behind certain statements that might come down to us in pithy aphoristic form, just like the codes themselves, which are a distillation, the essence of thousands of pages of discussion. This is what Rav Tzadok seeks to do in his forum, at least in this statement that came from the generation, previous generation in studying his works. If that's true of Rav Tzadok's own own writings in general, so then Sidka Satsadik, the most well-known and the most famous and the most oft-studied of Rav Tzadok's works, really the first work that a person gets when they get into Rav Tzadok, which is why we're going to be focusing on it in the upcoming Shiram primarily, so then Rav Tzadok's Sidka Satsadik can be a kind of Shulchan Aruch can be a kind of distillation, just like the Beis Yosef did with his commentary on the tour, into a Shulchan Aruch, a type of concentrated version of Rav Tzadok's general ideas and understandings of the Baal Shem Tov and his Talmidim and their traditions. Rabbi Moses categorizes Rav Tzadok's chief concerns into the following eight general categories, which span all of Rav Tzadok's works, I think it's safe to say. Well, I don't think it's safe to say because I don't know all of Ruth Sadok's works, but if Rabbi Mosesin says so, I believe it's true, and it certainly holds true uh, for what we've seen and what we will see. So the eight topics through which at least every single section of Tzidka Satsadik fall into are the following. The first topic that he's involved in is the topic of divine foreknowledge and free will. Question of Bechira. Uh, simply put, if God knows all of our actions... If God truly runs the world in every aspect of it, then what kind of free will exists for us? And uh, that also comes into, and especially in the more censored sections of this Sefer, into the predestination of sin. Who is the author of human sin, foible, folly, and failing? If God truly runs the world, I think the question can really be boiled down to a sense of how much does God truly run the world? I mean, we know that the answer is, of course, you know, local arts, the whole world is filled, the whole universe is filled with God's glory. 
But how far do we take that, at least as it relates to us? You know, every question in Machshava, I think, and this is already wrong to say, uh, to distill it down to its essence like this, especially for some of the mute doesn't know all of Machshava, but I think a lot of the big questions in Jewish thought can be distilled down to the following distinction. There's the way that things appear, Kiviyachal, as if from God's perspective, from the perspective of the Creator. And then there's the way things, the way things appear from our perspective, Mitzideinu, how we experience the world as finite beings. And of course, there's really no comparison between a finite being and an infinite being. It's not just a difference in, 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 it's not just a difference in number, but a difference in kind. It's a totally different thing. So Rav Tzadok, I think, is trying to get deep into the question of if indeed God runs every aspect of the world, which again is true, then what do, we, what do we talk about with sin? There are statements like this, especially the more radical statements of Rav Tzadok that appear throughout Sitka Satsadik. And these were the most heavily, uh, these statements of Rav Tzadok most heavily felt the pen of the censor. We find this in early works of Hasidus also. You know, for example, there's a Torah in the name of the Neshchiz Rav, an early Hasidic master of Mordechai of Neshchiz. And he writes, he says that we wouldn't be able to lift the hand, the fact that we're able to lift our hand to sin, and the fact that, we're, that a person makes a decision, and again, what, do you, what does that even mean, a decision? Chalila, to sin. When a person raises their hand to sin, in essence, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is being mechaya you. God is giving you the strength to be able to raise your hand to do that. So how could that be? How could you be allowed to do it? You're acting neged ruts on Hashem, and Hashem allows you to still raise your hand to sin? Right? To hit somebody else. Rasha lamatak Yisraecha. Right? What kind of person who raises their hand against another Jew is called the Rasha. So, so how could I raise my hand? And certainly there have been Jews that have hit other Jews before. How could I do that if Hashem runs the world and Hashem gives me the koach to be able to raise my hands at every moment? It's not taken for granted. It could be taken away. At any, how could I raise my hand in order to sin? Right? How could that possibly be? Ritzadok is osik, delves deeply into the metaphysics of such a question, of such an equation. How, 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 how can you understand divine knowledge and free will, especially in the context of sin? And the second issue that Rav Tzadok deals with in Sitka Satzadik is the issue of repentance, closely related to what happens when we do sin. And if sin is something that God is ultimately the author of, and again, we're going we're gonna to see an example of all eight of these different uh, ideas, representative of the other Piskos in Sitka Satzadik that talks about it. What does tshuva look like for that person? What does radical repentance look like? And Rav Tzadik is constantly involved in that question as well. The third one is prayer. Uh, as any chassid would be involved in, every, any student of the Baal Shem Tov, what is the nature of prayer? What's the nature of our interaction with HaKadosh Baruch Hu? What do we do when we daven? What is, what is affected in the divine realms when we pray? And the fourth is the concept of guarding the kav, covenant, Shmira Sabris. That means, the, uh, that means the notion of sexual purity, especially as it relates to, uh, to men and to, the, uh, and to the spilling of seed in vain. Sadduk deals with that often as well. Uh, there's a concept in the Zohar. Uh, well, we say, we, we, you know, we say that this is, for example, one of the sins for which there is no tshuva for. Now, the Zohar says that indeed there is tshuva even for this sin as well, or the Zohar as it's understood by many interpreters, but that this is something that jogs and, and, and is embraced, an aspect of Jewish thought that's embraced, a difficult aspect that's embraced by Rav Tzadok and Hasidic, Hasidic masters as well. The fifth is the human inability to fully overcome desire. And this is where Rav Tzadok is at his most ishbits, shall we say. Uh, the radical idea of 
What does it mean? What does the battle with the Yetzer feel like? What does the battle with the Yetzer look like? The phenomenology of how a human being, how a Yid deals with illicit desires, how we battle against our inner nature. And this doesn't necessarily have to be refracted into the realm of sexual sin. This could deal with when I have a really, really juicy bit of Lashon Hara to say, or when I really, really want to eat and I don't feel like making a bracha, or when I'm really, really tired and I have to daven. How do we deal with that yetzer? What is, it, what, is, what is the process by which we deal with that yetzer? And what does it mean sometimes when a Kaddish Baruch Hu makes it almost too difficult for us to overcome our yetzer? What are are there examples in Jewish history? Are there examples in Jewish literature of this occurring? That is another topic, the fifth topic that Rav Tzaduk deals with. The sixth is the interplay between physical desire and anger, right? The interplay between our physical needs and the emotions that they engender. And this goes for positive things as well. And we find this, I, I gave a shir recently about the thought of the Piazetzner Rebbe, another great Hasidic master who was contemporaneous, um, who is at points contemporaneous with, the, uh, I think, just missed Rav Tzadok, just missed Rav Tzadok, died in 1943. But, uh, but the, but the, the Piazetzner Rebbe also deals with the notion of after our actions, right? External things are what draw our inner emotions, the value of hispalus, the value of ecstasy, the value of, of his orerus, of, of, of moving ourselves physically, externally, to elicit, to elicit and, to, and to bring out internal emotions as well, and that interplay as well. The seventh, the trials of desire, and you can see that this is closely related to two of the other uh, topics that we mentioned. And then the eighth is positive chutzpah. Positive chutzpah, or this is sometimes referred to sometimes as Aver Lishma, sinning for the sake of God. What are the dynamics of that? Of course, the Gemara Nazir uh, talks about Gadol Aver Lishma Mi Mitzvah Shalom Lishma. And these are really dangerous and tricky areas of Jewish thought. And Rav Tzaduk did not hesitate to deal with them, to jump into these sources and all their complications and to try and explicate exactly what they mean, which is why I think that when you, when you hear about Rav Tzaduk, there's a, the, part of the mystery that we've talked about, part of the hiddenness is because of the difficulty of the topics that Rav Tzaduk was so involved in. And I think it's worth saying, I don't want to get too deep into the psychology of a tzaddik, which is, I think, forbidden to do. But just for us, just just in order for us to understand a little bit better, I don't think it's for naught that this sefer, as I mentioned, reflects a kind of a transformation as well. The first 37, 36 piskaot, the first 36, I'm going to exclude the very first one. The first 37 piska is a section, uh, like I would say, paragraphs. Uh, towards the end of the sefer, they get much, much longer. But for much of the sefer, they're basically par- numbered paragraphs. So the first 37 of them basically function as a perush, as a commentary on Meseches Brachos, on the first tractate in Shas. And they deal with halachic issues. And sometimes it reads just like almost any other commentary on the Gemara. Although there is, of course, a slightly agadic bent, a slightly philosophical bent, a Hasidic bent to how Rav Tzadik is discussing. And then the Sefer eventually goes totally into the realms that we're talking about over here, which I think is emblematic of Rav Tzadok's transformation as a person was as well, that he started off as Islam, and this would have been a Sefer if he continued like the first 37 Piskot. would have been a Sefer, a beautiful, uh, almost uh, in the sense, in the, in the veins of the Maharal, delving deep into the depths of 
of meaning in the words of Chazal, that not a single word of our rabbis, of the rabbis of the Mishnah and Talmud and Medrash can be taken for granted or can be taken on their surface, that they need to be understood to their depth. If that's true, then Rav Tzadok makes, takes an excursion for the rest of the Sefer to get into the eight topics, the trials of desire, the interplay between physical desire and anger and emotions, divine foreknowledge and free will, repentance and prayer, these deeply Hasidic and these deeply fraught philosophical topics in Machshava and Jewish thought that Rav Tzadok is involved with for the rest of the Sefer and that, that made the name for the Sefer, I think that that transformation itself almost reflects Rav Tzadok's own transformation. One has to think, and I, again, I'm really hesitant to psychologize at all. Um, other scholars have, and I think that they've done real detriment to the image of Rav Tzadok for those who didn't spend as much time as those scholars focusing and learning the works of tzaddik and realizing the magnitude of the tzaddik, the magnitude of the person that the Kohen was, but they psychologized through tzaddik. And maybe there's a place for them to do that, but I think it's important to remember that a year before, Rav Tzadok, in the throes of one of the most difficult personal experiences of his life, had reached the Ishbitzer and was blown away enough, had his life changed enough to decide to stay there and to dedicate his life to the Torah of his Rebbe, to expounding this Torah. And this is the result in that very first, those first few years, this book, Tzidka Satzadik, is the result of that interaction is the result of the worlds of Ishbitz and the worlds of, of, of Lithuanian lamdanus and, and standard Talmudic prodigy coming together and crashing and then we get Sefer Tzidka Satsadik. Short, powerful, explosive, dealing with the most difficult issues that you could possibly imagine. So the name of the Sefer, like many of Rav Tzadok's other Sfarim, for example, Or Zarul Tzadik, Dover Tzadik, Meshiv Tzadik. So the name of the Sefer is based off of the root Tzadi Dalid Kuf, Tzadik, which is a play on both Rav Tzadok's name, and it's an unusual name. He said he was named after his mother's grandfather. It's an unusual name. And it's also a play on the notion of Tzadik, a central theme in the Torah of the Baal Shem Tov, a central idea that the axis mundi, in the words of Arthur Green, right? The pole through which heavens and earth are connected and revolve around, that you could hold on to and that could bring you closer to God, that can deepen your own relationship with God, the notion of bittal, of nullification to a tzaddik, an important idea of the Baal Shem Tov, albeit another very difficult idea to get right and to understand correctly, and I think responsible for much of the original disputes between the Hasidim and their antagonists. So this is a play off of that idea of tzaddik and Rav Tzaddok's name, Tzidkas HaTzaddik, like many of his other Sfarim. And it's also, I think, based on Rav Tzaddok's own understanding of Moshe Rabbeinu as the greatest tzaddik who ever lived. Now, why was Moshe Rabbeinu a tzaddik? Now, for Rav Tzaddok, who, as we said, is a lamdan and the chassid, so it's not because he gave out the best shirayim. It's not because Moshe Rabbe, that Moshe Rabbeinu was a miracle worker, although he certainly was. It wasn't because he feared a beautiful tish, although I'm sure Moshe Rabbeinu and Shamayim in the basin Shamal is, is, is at the shulchan, with, at the table with all the rest of the tzaddikim. Yoshvim atroseim v'roshayim. They're sitting with their crowns in their heads and being nenem yiziv like the Gemara in Sanhedrin tells us, enjoying basking in the glory of the Shekhinah, that's all true. But the reason of Tzadok ascribes to Moshe Rabbeinu that he was the greatest Tzadok who ever lived is by dint of the Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu brought and taught to the Jewish people. Again, it all for Tzadok comes back down to Lima Torah, 
to the essence of connecting to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, through understanding the Chachma, the wisdom of HaKadosh Baruch Hu has communicated to us through Nevi'im and through Ruch HaKodesh, Jewish history in the unfolding of the Torah given at Ar Sinai. He writes, Rav Tzadok writes about Moshe Rabbeinu, he was Av Shokol Talmidei Chachamim Shebe Yisrael, the father, the progenitor of all of Torah scholars and the Jewish people. And this is in Piska Samich Beis in another Sefer of Rav Tzadok called Machshavas Charutz. And Rav Tzadok cites a statement of Chazal in Chagiga Yud Beis Amid Beis and says the following. Again, I'm going to quote, quote, quote to you. Sha'al Amad Echad Ha'olam Omed Vitzadik Shmo. The entire world rests on one foundation, and the name of that foundation is Tzadik, the righteous individual who holds the two worlds, who holds this world and the divine world, the spiritual world together. Now you might say to yourself, one second, I thought the world sat on three pillars, Torah, Avodah, Gemilus, Chasadim, as the Mishnah Perkei Avos tells us. So what are you telling me over here? The Gemara says, it's not Ratzadok, the Gemara says in Chagiga, that the world stands and is founded upon one foundational pedestal, one foundational idea, and it's Tzadik. And he says, all of the other ones, Rav Tzadik says, Torah, Vodag, Chasadim are all founded and predicated they're all predicated on the notion of Tzadik. The righteousness of the righteous that's what brings all these things together. The fact that we could be righteous in this world. The fact that one of the lines that I say sometimes, you know, uh, I think I say it to myself because I need a tzaddik, like many people. I need somebody to connect to, to help me in my own avodas Hashem. That the idea is sometimes you have to be your own tzaddik. And indeed this is true, right? The, world, the world's foundation could be upon you. You can encompass in yourself Torah, Avod, and Gemilus Chassad. You can have all of those things. And you yourself can be the foundation upon which the world rests upon. Of course, Ritzadik is referring in a much larger spiritual sense. And this is Tzidka Satzadik, which is Kola, which includes all of the other ideas, Torah, Avod, Avoda, Torah, prayer, and acts of loving kindness. The title itself, Tzidka Satzadik, Reference the Machshavas Charetz above, where if Sadok says the name of this Sefer, the righteousness of the righteous, is also coming from a Pasuk in Yechezkel. And the Pasuk in Yechezkel says, Sitka Satsadik Alav Tia, a tautological statement. The righteousness of the righteous person will be upon them. And what that means, the Mitzvah David explains, is that righteousness itself is reward enough for the Tzadik, who know exactly to whom they serve and what the stakes of their righteousness are. So before I go ahead and begin this safe with you, I want to show you one or two more wonderful things. Um, really amazing. So this is, again, this is the version of the Sefer. Uh, just the, the censorship is a fascinating element of the Sefer, and I think an important part of how the Sefer has been received in the generations since. So this is, of course, the copy that was held by Rav Michal Makotovsky and his son Rav Liel Kitov. And in this edition, as I showed you in Tarag, so you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different piskot that are censored, and then you have two more, three more that are missing parts of it. So that was the first version that was printed out. In that version, in the edition that's held by now the Ben Arza family, the great grand, the grand, the great grandchildren of. Rav Michal Makotovsky Hashem Yikam Damo again was killed in the Holocaust. So you'll find this on the side. Can everybody see my screen? 
Yeah, okay. So if you look on the side, you'll see hashmata, right? Hashmata, this is what was excluded. Here's Nun Gimel. Let me zoom in a little bit for you so you could see exactly what's going on over here. A little bit of bibliography for all of us. Uh, I guess I cannot do so. Uh, if, you, if you look over here, it says Nun Gimel, and then it skips directly to Nun He. It doesn't have anything. It says Os Nun Dalit Chaser. So section number 54 is missing. And what is written over here is in the handwriting of Relial Kito's father, of Michal Mekutovsky, is written out the entire piska Nundalid over here, Nundalid. This is the entire thing written out by hand. Where did he get it from? So he went directly into the writings of his Rebbe, of Rav Tzadok, and he copied it from the manuscript itself, Miksav Yad, from the manuscript, the sections that were left out of this first edition, of this first printing, and many subsequent editions as well. So there's, I want to show you, this all comes, I, I'm taking this all from a beautiful article by, I believe he's still there, the chief librarian of the Gershom Sholem Library in Israel, Rabbi Dr. Tzvi Lashem. Also, we mentioned the Piazetzner, one of the great scholars of the Piazetzner as well, he wrote his doctoral dissertation on the Piazetzner Rebbe. And he quotes over here, in the 1987 edition, and if bibliography bores you, it's okay. Uh, we're going to not come back to it. But uh, in the 1987 edition, he says, Where did this come from? He says, One of the people who basked in the glow and in the presence of Rav Tzadok was this Rav, Rav Michal Makotovsky. When the Sefer was first printed, he traveled to the house of his Rebbe in Lublin. He by hand copied down the sections, the seven sections plus three that are missing in different parts. He copied it down so that they would not be lost to history. On the copy of the Sefer in his own personal possession. There we have it. He gave it to his son, Rav Eliyahu Kitov. When he went to the land of Israel, it's his father-in-law. This comes from Chanoch ben Arza, a scholar of Rav Tzadok. So he printed out this edition of the Sefer called Sidkas Hatzadik Hamale. That's the one they have over here. I don't think that you could find it. And the reason it's called Sidkas Hatzadik Hamale is because it includes the sections that were left out of it, except for one, Kuf Samach Beis, that was left out. And you'll see, how do we now have in this edition... Why do we have Kuf Samach Beis? One second, Shlomo, I'll get to you. So we found in the edition, in the edition of Rav, Rav uh, Gershom, uh, not Rav, a professor, Gershom Sholem, was found the entire section Kuf Samach Beis written out as well. That's how these farm. that's how these farm get to us. And this is again, what the newest edition, the one that I'm using looked like, just the words on top uh, over here, just the words on top are the words of Tzadok. There's an explanation and then there's source material put there as well. Uh, Shlomo, you had a question. You could just unmute yourself if you like. Yeah, who exactly was it who did the censoring? Uh, so it would seem, uh, it would seem that it was Rav Tzadok's son, stepson-in-law when the first edition, or maybe it was other people that, that argued with him. Um, there are many different discussions that go into the printing of Sefer. It seems like this was, this was the initial discussion that people had had when they, when they were printing it. So from the very first edition and then creeping into many other editions were these censored sections. Yeah. So 
with that in mind, let's learn the first piska, and, um, and, and we'll call it a night after this. So this is the very first section of Tzidka Satzadik, and you see this is coming from the first edition of it, Bishnas Tzedakos Ahev, and this is the very first one. So we're going to learn this together. Reish is Knisa Sa'adam La'avodas Hashem. The very beginning of a person's entry into serving God, Tzarech Lihiyos Bechipazon, needs to be done with alacrity, with haste. You have to rush into it. We find the model for this idea in the very first Pesach that was held by the Jewish people, the nascent Jewish people in the land of Egypt. The carbon was eaten very quickly and they had to rush out. We know that they barely had time that they had to rush out of Mitzrayim everything. The very first acts of the Jewish people in service of God was done with a lot of haste, was done in a rush, was done in a mad rush to get out of Egypt. And then later on in Pesach Doros, obviously that this was a much slower process. It was something that you don't have to rush through eating your carbon Pesach um, when the Beis HaMikdash is, and we certainly don't rush through our Siddharim nowadays. So why does it have to be such a way? Right? I understand that for the individual, Rav Tzadik is saying for the individual, when they do tshuva, when they decide, when they make a gemiras das, when they decide for themselves, I, I want to serve God, I want to be close to God, I want to, come, I want to come close to understanding what this transcendence everyone is talking about is. I want, to, I want to orient my life in that direction. That it needs to be done in a rush, that it needs to be done in haste. So that's patterned after the Jewish people, the model of the Jewish people and the very first mitzvahs that they kept. So why is that true? So Rav Tzaddik says it's necessary Rav Tzaddik says that there's a psychological element here. A person decides, and we'll call it tshuva, a person decides whether it's from sin or whether it's going to a new vista in their service of Hashem, that when a person makes that decision, when they have that twinkling, when they have that spark of inspiration, when they feel that moment, I got to make a change, I got to do better. When a person has that moment, so the very first thing that they need to do is the, is the orientation of sur meirah, to turn away from evil. And now anybody that's been stuck in sin, anybody that's been stuck and drawn down by their tavot, by their desires, so when a person feels themselves drawn down, you know that the truth is the more you think about it and the more that you dwell on it, the more opportunity you're giving your taivas, the more opportunity you're giving your yeitzahara, your evil inclination to win the battle. The yeitzahara is all the time in the world. The yeitzahara, the evil inclination, are baser instincts, so they're always there, they're always latent in us. Unless we do this work of trying to become tzaddikim, if we do this work of trying to really elevate and bring ourselves above. So we have to first make that decision. Okay, I'm going to do it right now. I'll give you an example. My safta, who should live and be well, this is a family. So my safta used to be a very, very heavy smoker, right? Of course, not a good thing to smoke. And, you know, she was an Israeli. She's a Holocaust survivor. She can essentially do whatever she wants. But they prevailed upon her. Safta, you have to stop smoking. My safta used to smoke a pack a day. And my safta, you know, being a tough lady, as she still is, and, you know, nothing's too small on her. So what did my safta do? She, my dad said she bought an entire carton and went and just made the decision and sat and broke every single cigarette. 
Now that's a wild move to do. That's a very brash and brazen move to do. But that's sometimes what a person needs to do. And they say, this is a desire, this is a taiva, this is a yetzer that I need to break right now. This moment. He says, that is how you break yourself away, not just from cigarettes and not just from sin, but mikol tava that from everything that holds us down, everything that keeps us down in this world, that distances us from God, that distances us from avodas Hashem. When we want to get in, when we want to taste that, the beauty, the taste of serving God in the truly spiritually elevated life. So again, the beginning, all the things that hold us down, that we're tied up in, you have to take that moment, that bolt of inspiration, you have to hold it precious, you have to hold it dear and act upon it right now. Like the Lubavitcher Rebbe uh, is quoted by Joseph Telushkin in his great biography, the right time to do the right thing, it's always the right time to do the right thing. And the right time is now. When you feel that moment of inspiration, act. Act on something good. Don't be lazy with that. Be Be in haste. Be with alacrity. Rush into it. And many other things in our life, we shouldn't rush into it. But in this, this is a good idea. This is something you need to rush into. So he says, That moment of inspiration, that moment when you feel, I desire, I desire God. My, my flesh pines for you. Right? You have a, we have these moments. These moments come to us all the time. They're little sparks of Ruach HaKodesh that Hashem gives to all of us, something that Ritzadik discusses later on. Hashem speak to, speaks to us in all ways. We have that moment. And he says, act on it. Guard it. Do a shmir on it. And make that into the, the sejral moment for you to act. Be hasty in that moment. Be rushed into that good moment. Use that tiny opening. Open up that tiny opening, the breath of pins, a pin's breath. And jump through that and open up right? a huge hall, a brand new vista, a brand new world. Tzadok says, if you do that, perhaps you will succeed. Maybe you will succeed in being able to utilize that moment, that bolt of inspiration, and to do something with it. I mean, isn't this the question that we're all thinking about? Isn't this something that we all want? How do I take those moments when I'm feeling in Judaism and really in every other thing, relationships? How do I take that moment of insight? How do I take that moment of inspiration and, and do something with it? Not just walk away and say, well, that was a nice year, or that was a nice moment, or that was a nice davening, or that was a nice song. But, or that was a good conversation. How do we say, it's not just that, but that's actually the start of something new. Ritzadok says the idea over there is run. Run with it. Go with it. Perhaps if you rush, you'll be able to make it in. The door closes on these moments. These moments in our lives are fleeting. Right? These fleeting moments, you have to rush through that door and maybe, maybe you'll get a finger in and you'll be able to hold the doors from getting closed. Acharkach. And then afterwards, afterwards, the goal is maybe you'll slow down. Maybe you'll be able to take a deep breath. And once, if you make it into that door, if you manage, and this might happen over the course of many, many instances and moments like this, it might take a lifetime of those moments. Maybe one point you'll finally be able to lodge yourself and wedge yourself enough into that, into that opening. And then you could go slow. Then you could think. Then you could be deliberate. Then you could follow the model of Pesach Doros, not Pesach Mitzrayim and its haste and chaotic rushing out of years, centuries of slavery and bondage. For us sometimes, our own hang-ups, the things that bring us down can feel like centuries of bondage. 
things that are holding us down our entire lives, preventing us from being, ah, if I only ate better, ah, if I only davened more, ah, if I only was a little bit more careful with the words that come out of my mouth or the anger that I have or my desire to see things that, that bring me down. If I just use that bolt of inspiration, instead of a lifetime of regret, you'll say, I moved. I did it. I made the decision to jump in. I was the Nachshon Ben Aminadav of my own life. I took that first jump, even though it was uncertain, and I rushed out. Pesach Mitzayim, and then you could get to the point of Messinas, of deliberate, slow, right? Thinking fast and slow, then I could come to the point where I can really, really dwell on that moment. And once I'm on the other side, it's a whole different story. I think it's beautiful that Rav Tzadok opens up this magnum opus, this most important of the Sfarim of Rav Tzadok, with this particular Torah. I think the Rav Tzadok himself, by his own lifetime, demonstrated that. Of course, Rav Tzadok was already at the loftiest heights of Tamatars. This isn't just somebody doing tshuva for, from sins, but this is a person seeking a new level in Avodah Hashem, or a new, a new world of transcendence. That Rav Tzadok himself demonstrated that he, he met his Rebbe, he met the Ishbitzer, and he decided to come over to that world and to delve deeply into it, to produce the writings like this that we're learning. Tzadok demonstrated that himself. He sees that moment. It's up to us to follow the example of the Tzadok. It's up to us to, vol- to follow the Tzidkas Tzadok, the righteousness of the Tzadok, and to seek that out in our own lives. Ula yuchal. Maybe we'll be successful. There's no guarantees in all this, but I certainly know for myself that continuing to study the works of Tzadok, that maybe gives me the inspiration sometimes when I seem to be sorely lacking it, the works of these Tzadikim, and they help me think perhaps one of these days, maybe I'll be able to go ahead and to achieve that opening as well. So I want to 